We are in a series on understanding what it means to be the sons of God. And we talked about the meaning of adoption that the Apostle Paul is using. We so often consider our Western definition of adoption, meaning that we were brought in to a father's house. We didn't belong to that house. We were brought into that house. We were not of his blood and nature, but he, out of his goodwill and purpose, adopted us and gave us the rights of that home. Now, that is a Western concept of adoption. That is not the concept that Paul is speaking of. He's speaking from an Eastern concept, and that being adoption, meaning that special time in the son's life when he was given full authority of the rights of the father. He was always the father's son. He was of the father's lineage and family. But the adoption is the son placement. Placement in society and placement in the father's house as a full heir having full ownership of all of father's possessions. And that is the term of adoption. Sonship. Full sonship. All right? Let me prove it to you in this sense. You cannot be called a son of God unless you are directly birthed by God. Angels are called sons of God because God created each angel uniquely, dynamically, by his own purpose and will. He created Adam, but Adam fell. We became sons of Adam in that fall. But what God did is he brought a new birth with the second Adam so that you could be directly birthed by God himself. And we call it being born from above or born again. So that when the Spirit births us, when we identify ourselves in Christ's death and we die to our sin and die to that Adamic life, the old man is cut away, the old man is put to death, Behold, all things are new, and we have a birth directly from God by His Spirit. Therefore, we are His children. John 1.14 says, we have, 112 says, we have the right or the authority to be called sons of God because each one of us has uniquely and individually been birthed by God. And so the adoption is, now that we are sons of God, we are now being brought into full maturity so that we may be placed in sonship authority over all of the Father's house. Join heir with Jesus Christ. And so what that reminds me of this morning is third grade. Sitting with my mom in front of, I believe her name was Mrs. Stye. And I remember sitting there and her telling me, your son, Mrs. Tyler, is not living up to his full potential. And I knew that. I just didn't want her to tell my mother that. She's ha he's, he's hanging around with some boys that just kind of bring him down and don't allow him to move into what I believe he could do. That was kind of the story of my school career. It was kind of like the same note that everybody passed on year after year. He's not living up to his scholastic potential. He's not living up to his potential. They, they saw that I was somewhat of a smart guy, but I just wasn't 
applying myself. Did anybody get that kind of a grade on your report card? What is it with these teachers? They see something more than you see. Is that possible? I was not living up to my potential. I wonder if we got a report card today from the Lord. I have a feeling I'd get that same remark on that point. Only it wouldn't be to my mother. It would be to me. Tim, you're not living up to your full potential in Christ. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. When I'm talking about what it means to be sons of God, the, the privilege and the honor of what we've been given, placed as sons, the new covenant. And, and again, I go back to reference that Paul is speaking to Israel about this. And, and, and this isn't just to the end, that the end time church is supposed to come into this thing. It was supposed to happen from the day of Pentecost on. When Christ came and fulfilled the law, that's the son placement that we were to move in. Now, we're in that process of maturity. We're in that process of growing into the full stature of Christ, into the full manifestation. Now, the fullness of it, Paul says in Romans 8.29, is that the redemption of our bodies. 8.23, sorry. The redemption of our bodies. Now, the fullness will come when we get a new body. And when we are resurrected with Christ, then we're going to see the fullness. But there is a maturity that is supposed to fill the whole earth, even up until that time in the body of Christ. And that's what I want to give you, the ultimate plan of sonship this morning. What God is really looking for us to live up to the full potential of what we should be. And so we go to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to start at verse 21. Now, Interestingly enough, this is coming off of the verse that was our key verse for the year of 2011. Uh, we might as well go back and rehearse that. Verse 17, I keep asking, uh, Ephesians 1:17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Wisdom and revelation, this comes from God Himself. This is not your ability to discern God. This is God's impartation of revelation and wisdom. You getting this? See, because some of you might say, well, I'm just not that smart. This isn't about you being smart. This is about you being open to receive revelation and wisdom from God. This has nothing to do with your ability to read. It has nothing to do with your ability for retention. This has everything to do with your receptivity of revelation and wisdom from God Himself who freely gives. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you would receive wisdom and revelation from God so that you may know Him better. We go on. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Again, that's something God does in you. The eyes of your heart enlightened. All right, we can read the Bible day and night, and there's people who do that, and, and they're not enlightened one bit on the Lord. Because this revelation comes from His Spirit. It takes us pressing into God and saying, Oh God, feed me, feed me. I want more. Teach me. Educate me. Help me. And He says, I want your eyes of your heart enlightened in order, and here's why, that you may know the hope of which He's called you. So you have a purpose and a calling, each one here. God wants you to know it and discover it. Each of you has a placement in the body, a hope and a, and a destiny that is yours. He said, I hope you're going to find that. Secondly, uh, which he called you. Secondly, the riches of his glorious inheritance. 
We all have an inheritance or a privilege in God to use what God gives us, an inheritance, in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Power to accomplish all this. And look at what kind of power he's talking about. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now what kind of power is backing us this morning? The same power of the resurrection, but the resurrection wasn't just to raise Jesus from the dead. It raised Jesus from the dead, breaking the curse on the earth, breaking uh, and fulfilling the law completely, but also the ascension of raising Christ to the highest authority and name above all names. That's the inheritance, that's the power by which we're to be operating our destiny and our purpose right? So that we would understand our calling. God's invested a lot in you, right? Man, I hope you're on this pursuit with me. I want to keep eating this stuff. I want to keep knowing this stuff. I want to know more. I want to go deeper. I'm not satisfied with getting along with a world system. This world system passed me by a long time ago. I want to go with God. He put him, now, now here we are, here's our verse this morning, so that you're going to begin to understand the inheritance. This is what he's saying. This is your inheritance, all this power, this calling, this purpose. He goes on, he says, verse 21, now he lifted Jesus up into heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title. Could I stop there for a second? Could I explain to you what those words mean? I mean, did he just get a thesaurus? I couldn't even say it. Did he, just, did, did he pull out a thesaurus? He's sitting there and he's, and, and he's, and he's asking, uh, so, uh, Luke, do you have a thesaurus with you? I just want to say something really cool about the powers. And he begins to think, let's see. Hmm. Uh, uh, above rules yeah, and authorities, uh, power. What's another word for power? Uh, dominion. Uh, no, these are titles. These are actual references in the heavenly realms to titles and authorities that God had set up in a structure over the universe. Can I tell you that as, as Stephen was being stoned in the book of Acts and he's rehearsing the history of Israel, he says that the law was given unto Israel by the ministry uh, uh, of angels. And, and so Israel Jews uh, believed that in fact and, and you read it in Hebrews how angels are to be ministering to the saints of God, right? It believed that the angelic realm was established so that the order of the universe would stay in place. God put rules and authorities and powers and principalities to continue to make sure that everything in the physical realm was ministered to and operating under the functions or laws that God had decreed. That's why when the fallen angels are busy trying to nail you with the law of God, because it's their duty, it was originally their duty, to maintain all of the purposes of God in the physical realm. They were ministering in that realm. They had functions and authority. Why do you think in the book of Revelation he calls forth the angels from the east, the west, the south, 
the north, who hold back the winds of the earth. They are authorities and principalities who have functions. I don't know if they're in a control booth going, I don't think it's that way, but they're moving in the spirit realm somehow, maintaining the function and the purpose of God, his order in the universe. Well, well the, when, when the, the angels fell in the demonic host, they still move in that heavenly realm, in and out of the purposes of God, and they know the word of God, and they know the law of God, and that's why they want to condemn you with it. Because they're, they're expert lawyers in the legal system of God. But Jesus busted through that, busted through the fallen mechanisms of the demonic realm, busted above principalities, busted above authorities, moved up into the highest realm of the heavens. Having authority over all the functions of the lower beings, spirit beings, keeping things in order, and man who was supposed to have rule and authority over all of that on the earth. And he rose even higher than all of that, above all rule. Now, if it, he said above all rule and. So we can apply all to each one of these words, correct? Above all rule and all authority, all power, all dominion, and every title that can be given. That's the hierarchy of all the angelic realm and the human realm. Not only in the present age, but the age to come. Hallelujah, this thing's secure. This is set for all of eternity. He will not be giving up his position. It's not for a short term or a dispensation. Jesus is Lord of all, for all, all times. And so he has risen. Because of what he accomplished at the cross, he has been set above all title, all dominion, all principalities, everything that can be given, not only in the present, but the age to come. Come on. Now, is that amazing or what? And now verse 22, And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for whom? Say it again. For whom? The church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Oh, somebody back up the bus. This is, this is in a realm we cannot fathom. Are, are you getting what he's saying we're connected to here? First of all, he tells us the placement of Christ. He's above every title, every dominion, every power, all things, all things. He is the name above all names. He has the highest position in heaven and earth to the glory of the Father. It's where Father placed him. He wants that salvation, that love above all things. God placed all things under his feet. Now he's talking like a body. There's a head and a feet and appointed him to be head. So what he's saying, he's giving you a picture now, isn't he? He's giving you a picture of Christ who is the head. And he said he, he, he's the chief, he's the top, and everything else in the created realms of the universe, whether it be spirit realm or physical realm, everything else is under his, what? Feet. Under his feet. Right? All right? And he appointed him to be head over everything for the church. All of this 
It's for you, sons of God. All of that is for you. The book of Ephesians says that this was predestined before the beginning of time, that God was going to call out a people, the ecclesia, the church, in a due season and in a due period of time. This was God's purpose, and now he accomplished it at the cross, set Christ above. All of this took place, all of the inheritance, all that God had prepared and planned from the beginning of time is now for you, the church, the called out ones, those who are sons of God. And he then says, this goes even further to just absolutely blow your mind, which is his body. He put everything under his feet. Now, what is the lowest part of the body? Your feet. Can you do the math? Therefore, everything in the created realm, be it in the spirit realm or in the physical realm, in the heavens and the earth and below the earth, everything is under whose feet? The church's which is his body, and we are connected to him. We are one with him. We are one with him. Everything is under our feet. We're not living up to that potential. Now, I'm not preaching this message in any form of a rebuke to you. I'm preaching this message for me, because I am not living up to the potential I'm reading. If you want to join me, you can in this conversation. Now listen, I'm going to read it again. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The body of Christ is the church. It is God's design that he elevates Christ and his body to the highest position in the heavens. And Christ is in fullness in the church. And Ephesians 4.11, we'll go there in a minute, we are in the process of becoming the full stature of Christ so that he may be all in all. He is in all and through all of us. Thank you. See, I told you, it just blows me away. <laughs> the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Can I ask you a question? Does Jesus fill you in everything and in every way? I'll go back to talking to me because I don't want anybody to feel condemned here. I'll just deal with me. It's my report card today. No. There are areas I have not allowed him to fill in me. I've, I've asked him to wait outside the room while I finish tending to either cleaning it up or, or fixing it the way I want. And, and, and he wants to fill everything in every way. And not only me individually, but corporately as a body. Has Jesus filled us, the church? We could talk about the church here in Roseville. Um, uh, you, know, you know what? I'm going to say something so you'll begin praying for the churches in Roseville. I'm a little upset with the churches in Roseville. I went to a meeting, a clergy luncheon. That's the title of it. Clergy luncheon at the Roseville 
uh, junior high. We were invited by Dr. Clement, the head of the school board, and all of the school board was there, as well as all the principals from all the t- uh, schools in Roseville. Not only was the school board, the principals, and uh, uh, board of education there, so was the mayor of Roseville and the heads of the city government. Uh, who else? Uh, um, the police chief. Anybody, any official in the city of Roseville was there for the, what was it called? That's it, yeah, the clergy luncheon. Right. And they invited all the clergy in Roseville. I think some 35 or 36 churches. Three of us showed up. Three churches showed up. For the clergy luncheon that the city of Roseville said, we want to honor the clergy and have you aware of what's happening in our school systems. We're inviting the church into our school system that we may have relationship with you. Now, I have to ask myself, while I'm sitting in that meeting, and the students cooked us dinner, luncheon, it was very nice and everything. We've been there, it's been going on for 12 years um, that they've had it. While I'm sitting in that meeting, I'm asking myself, is Christ fully represented in this meeting? Has he filled all things? When the, when the, when the Roseville Public School System says, Church, would you come occupy this room? Report card, we're not living up to our potential. I'm, I know pastors are very busy. I understand that. I know that. But there are times when you need to show up, right? Don't get stuck on that. We'll get over it. God will help us. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That room was not filled. Are we filling Roseville in every way? As a church, we must ask ourselves, are we filling this region in every way with the presence of Christ? Every way. I'm not talking about just clergy now. I'm not talking about, but fill it in every way. Do we have artists here? Is it filling this region with art that is the talent of God? Right? Filling it up. Do we have business people? Are we filling the business sector with God and His purposes? Right? Are we filling it with godly families in the neighborhoods? Are we filling it to the fullness? Now, everybody here is accountable to that. We're all priests unto God. And so in our region, what are we doing to fill this region with the fullness of God? Because the fullness of God dwells in His church, and His church dwells in the land. And therefore, God wants to fill the land with His presence. We have to have a purpose and a design set in our hearts to say, where I live, the fullness of God is going to occupy it. And where we gather as a church in this community and in the region that we've marked off, we have a plan, we have a purpose, we have a destiny to fill that region with the fullness of Christ. As long as I'm alive, I need to bring the fullness of Christ into every situation. That's what it means to be a son of God. You represent the culture of God's house. The kingdom of God. You're a culture maker. 
This world shouldn't be establishing the culture. We shouldn't be adopting the world's culture for the church. We're the culture of God. We, they don't know the culture of the kingdom. They don't speak the language we need to begin to translate for them. We need to begin to help them understand what is the culture of the kingdom of God. It starts with love. It starts with joy. It is peace. It is gentleness. It is patience. You see, it's the very fruit of God's nature, which is in fullness in us. Let's keep going. i got a lot of verses to cover. Look at Ephesians 4. We go over. Verse 10. Paul keeps up on the same thing. Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. You see, we're going back to that point he makes about where Jesus is. Where is Jesus? Jesus is in charge of everything right now. He is in control of the universe and, and, and everything that exists. Some people, well, he's not doing a very good job. No, 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 no. He's given us authority on the earth to rule in his place here. He's been teaching us to rule this earth. Don't anybody complain about what kind of a job Jesus is doing. It's lying on us. The indictment is on the church. The indictment is on you and I. Pentecostals want God to do everything. I'm serious. We do. And then we doubt Him when He doesn't. We want Him to heal our marriage. The reason your marriage is bad is because of you. It's not because of Him. You didn't change my husband. Yeah, well, he didn't change you, wife. He can't heal your marriage because you're the problem. You've got to be changed. You've got to submit to the will of God. You've got to change your mindset. You've got to get let Him be full in you. We pray for God to change everything. Pentecostals come to the altar and, and we, want the, we want everything now. We want to be healed. We know there's healing. I want to be healed. And when we're not, the other Christians say, you don't have enough faith. Instead of tending to that person's sickness. We're supposed to be his hands and feet, caring for the sick, caring for the needy. But again, Pentecostals want him to do everything. And he's saying, you know what? You've got it wrong. I've given you sonship. You do it. But we don't talk like that because we want him to do it. And he's saying, I need you to rule and reign with me. Could you handle your checkbook? Hmm? Could you handle your finances? Because pretty soon, you're going, to, you're going to handle, when I come back and give you a new body, I am going to give you the galaxy on the far left to rule and reign. Do you think you could handle that financing there? I don't know what the economy will be. You understand what I'm saying? He's looking for you to rule and reign with him, and you can't balance a checkbook. Remember, I'm talking to me, so it's okay. Don't anybody... <laughs> But he's talking about our positioning. Oh, i, I got to get back to this. He, he descended to the lower parts is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Now, the heavens is the created realm. He's beyond the created realm. He is in the realm of God, the highest heavens, 
Why? In order, someone say it with me, to fill the whole universe. How is he going to fill the whole universe? How is he going to fill the whole universe? Interesting. How is he going to fill the whole universe? With his body. With us. He has positioned himself and he has won the victory over sin and death to where now we have eternal life. He has established his authority and his body, his church. We are going to rule and reign with him, put it all in perspective, and we are going to fill the cosmos. We are going to fill the cosmos. We've got to start getting it right now because we've got a job ahead of us an exciting job ahead of us, an amazing job ahead of us, a creative, wonderful, amazing job ahead of us. But there's a fullness that has to come in that's going to take place. Now go back with me to Ephesians 3, 14. How's he going to fill the universe? Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I'll stop there. Sonship. His whole family. Where's his whole family? In heaven and on earth. You're not seeing the full church or body of Christ. It's called the communion of saints. You know how many, for 2,000 years, you know how many saints are up in heaven? That's part of the body of Christ. That's our people. That's our peeps. That's our people. We're one body. There is a magisterial body that's ruling and reigning from in heaven. And he's got us doing the work on earth. And they have gone before us. And what does it say about that great cloud of witnesses that looks upon us? We have such a great cloud of witnesses that are calling us, cheering us on, and saying, go, go, go. But you keep your eyes on Him. Don't be praying to them, people. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The family of God, the body of Christ that fills all the universe, uh, a great portion is there already with Him. In heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He keeps praying. Ephesians is a book of prayer and what he's praying about continually is for us to wake up to the power and the authority of our positions as sons. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Didn't he pray that in the first chapter? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how deep, how high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Third time he says that. He said it in Ephesians 4 that we would be filled to the full stature of Christ. He said it in Ephesians 1 that we are the fullness of God in His body. And He says, I'm praying again so that you will be filled with the fullness of God. Now let me ask you, how full is God? And He wants His church to be filled with the fullness of God. The full, manifold wisdom of God. He goes back in Corinthians. Remember, he says that the church is going to display the full, 
manifold wisdom of God to the angels. All right? And there he is. He's at the highest place. We're here. His body, all between, is under our feet, and we're demonstrating the fullness of God. In a microcosm, this church should be displaying the fullness of God. Some of you are really good at demonstrating the love of God. Some of you, the joy of God. Some of you, the peace of God. We all have all those attributes, but some of you major in it. Some of you are apostolic, some prophetic, some evangelistic, some pastoral, some teachers. And the fullness of all that God is, I can't contain all that, but he wants his body to contain all of it. And that DNA breaks all the way down into me individually as well. And you. The fullness of God. And I've got to say, brothers and sisters, I can't wait. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. How many of you know that before a storm you hear wind? You you, you sense it. How many of you sense that? Right? How many of you know when it's going to rain? You know that, that taste, that smell in the air? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever go outside? Stay out there. You can smell a storm coming. You can feel it. How many of you can feel that moisture? You, right? You, you get up, you go, ah, it's going to rain today. Some of you know that because like your elbow or your knees just going, f-dum, f-dum, f-dum. <laughs> I am telling you, you can feel it in the church. It's going to rain soon. Something's coming. There's maturity coming. There's a fullness coming. There, there, there's something beginning to move. There are uh, churches now getting... Uh, moving together. They're getting past whether we dunk or sprinkle. They're getting past whether we're, you know, have collars or, or blue jeans. We're getting past all this stuff and, and we're beginning to, to, to flow together. We're beginning, there's a fullness coming. There's a maturity coming. And I'm excited about it. We got to get ready because there's a fullness to the stature of the church that is being developed. A fullness to where it's happening to where we're not going to have to be simply wrestling and crying out and shouting at demons. We're going to begin putting them under our feet and walking on their backs across where we need to go. The, the roadblocks are going to be coming against us in stronger measure, but we're going to become more. Uh, 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 we're going to become better at sharpshooting and taking out the enemy where we need to. We're not going to be wasting our time on on black holes that suck the life out of us. We're going to know what to avoid and where to move. There is a maturity that's coming to the body of Christ, and there is a fullness that God wants us to have. Look at John 1:16. Go there. I need you to go there. Interesting verse that John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus. Uh, in John 1.16. It says, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And then John the Apostle comments on that and he says this, Uh, NIV says, from the fullness of His grace we have received one blessing after another. I prefer the King James or the English Standard Version of that verse, and it says this, for from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. It helps us understand that from His fullness, from Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace grace upon grace 
upon grace and upon grace. Right now, didn't we read from Paul in Ephesians that all the fullness of God is to fill us up to our fullness? How does that happen? Grace upon grace upon grace, right? Line upon line, precept upon precept. It is a building thing. Paul tells us in Corinthians, it is an ever-increasing glory. It's an ever-increasing glory. So don't get too depressed this morning. I'm not the fullness of God. I'm far from the fullness of God. Would you just be receptive to another layer of grace coming into you? Would you be willing to go grace upon grace upon grace? One more grace. Another grace. Grace means gift. One gift after another gift after another gift. I'm not satisfied. I want more. I am not satisfied. Today when I go home after church, that was nice, but I am not satisfied. I need more. Give me more. I can't go another hour. It's two o'clock on Sunday. I need to get back into the Word of God. I need to hear something else from you, Jesus. I need to touch your spirit. Stir me up. It's Sunday night. Oh, it's Monday morning. I need more grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. It's not that I lose the grace I have. It's that I go higher and higher and higher. There is a fullness that's coming into me. I need to eat more, like you do at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Just one more bite. Just a little bit more of that turkey. No, we're putting it away. That's okay. And you bite it. And you heat up leftovers. Grace upon grace. It is an ever-increasing glory. This fullness is coming. I would hope that if you came to this church 10 years ago, it's not the same church. It's got greater grace upon it, greater gifting upon it. I'm hoping that by the end of 2012, you won't recognize this place. You'll go, what happened to this church? It grew up even bigger. It doesn't fit in the same pants it used to wear. My kids don't look the way they did when they were three. Hallelujah grace upon grace. They're gifted. And their giftings come out of them as they're using them and now going to work and doing different things. That's what God wants in His church. He wants a maturity. He wants a fullness. All of us. Grace upon grace. I'm almost done. Colossians 2.10. Go there because you're supposed to be underlining all these. Colossians 2.10. I'll close with this. Colossians 2.10. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Do, do, you, do you see a common thread through the verses I've given you this morning? A common thread is this. He's head over everything for all time. All fullness is His, and it comes to us, the church. And he says, you've been given fullness of Christ who is head over every power and authority. Pleru is the Greek and it means filled to capacity to overflowing. This fullness is given to us in order that he will fill all things. process is this. His body is in the earth so that the fullness of Christ will take uh, dominion and manifest in the earth realm so that he will be in all things. It is so important for you to do what you do. Whatever your job is, it is sanctified of God so that you will be, bring the fullness of Christ to that place. If you're a housewife, 
You are supposed to be there. Right now, if you're out of work, but you're finding places to be and go, fill and occupy those places. If you're sitting in front of the TV, I'll let this one go to you. Shame on you. I'll say it to me. But really, occupy. Find some place to bring the kingdom of God. The TV is not going to talk back to you. So that's why you're there. Go someplace where you can fill the glory of God. Go walk around the mall. Go do something, but bring Jesus. We have got to occupy till He comes. We've got to fill this place. We have got to change the culture just by being the fullness of Christ. You are the fullness of Christ. And what we have to do is begin to understand how one ligament comes to another and how we process this. All sons of God, the fullness of God, the sun placement is here. It is now. Your fullness is here. It is now. We must represent God in every capacity we move in. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads.